0: when I mean, he looked at it like looks like a hammering hand. it was a hammering though they scored 28 points in about three minutes and we couldn't stop them yeah, okay so it was a hammering but there's there's different levels of hammerings here
1: otb am live weekday mornings from 7 30 on the otb sports app
2: otb am with gillette get into your flow with the new gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar
1: Yes, you're all very welcome along to Friday's edition of OTB AM. It's Ashlyn O'Reilly sitting in for Adrian Barry this morning. We have a brilliant show lined up to look ahead to a massive weekend of sport. There's lots happening. Of course, the the All Blacks against Ireland in the third and final test tomorrow in Wellington. You have the LGFA semi-finals in Crow Park, the Open Championship and the big one, the All-Ireland hurling final, Limerick versus Kilkenny. Throw-in is at 3.30pm and I'm going to be alongside Kilkenny's Tommy Walsh for that one, and if you do anything this weekend, make sure to tune in to listen to Tommy from Crow Park. He will make you feel like you're alongside with him. It's a it's a special moment, definitely. So speaking of Limerick versus Kilkenny, Owen Sheehan is also alongside me this morning. How's it going, Owen?
0: Very well, Ashley. I'd completely forgotten about that moment, which is now the high point of uh, All Ireland Hurling Final weekend. Tommy Welch talking to talking down the microphone in Croke Park at around three o'clock on the Sunday afternoon of, of All Ireland Hurling Final Week. It's gonna be special. The thing is he's like got to such a point now, I'm sure he's been like planning this for months and months and months because uh, where does he go but up at this point?
1: This is it, and if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, so it's the intro that Tommy does before the All Ireland. It's the build up to it, and he goes into this the storytelling behind it. As we all know, Tommy and storytelling, it's just magic when he gets going. So it's yeah, it's a, it's a really special moment. So yeah, if you do anything, definitely tune in. So Owen, tell us where have you been.
0: Uh, Well, I'm currently in Langton's at the moment in Kilkenny, which of course was the place that served up uh, Tommy Welsh's goujons down through the years that uh, were the the nutritionists behind the the four in a row and uh, subsequent two in a row. Over the last little while I've been kind of uh, travelling around the county, we'll bring you loads of stuff over the course of the next few hours. We were speaking to uh, Dave O'Neill, who is the uh, chairman of of Greg Bally who is uh, a Limerick man a little bit later on. We were speaking to uh, Dick O'Gorman, a farmer that Tommy Welsh actually recommended speaking to as well we sat down for a cup of tea with him he'll bring that to you in a a little while eddie o'connor is a a former kilkenny captain Uh, we sat down with him as well and we'll play uh, out a a piece with kilkenny elvis in just a moment but before we do that actually just want to give you a sense of of what the kilkenny people is actually saying interestingly uh on the, the front page you may have kilkenny supporters uh on their wall looking ahead to the weekend but on the back page of the kilkenny people It is not hurling at all. It is football fever, which dominates proceedings. The Junior Championship winners uh, have managed to hog the headlines. That being said, they do have an absolutely fantastic supplement in the middle, which is about a billion pages. And I love the front cover of it. Uh, Star Wars, (laughs) A New Hope. And uh, this is uh, an interesting angle on it all. A New Hope. Uh, Is Kilketty winning this weekend a new hope? Or is it actually a realisation that the Death Star was infallible all along and Darth Vader is alive and well and kicking? Uh, it's interesting that they've gone for that angle. I've certainly, as we'll do this over the next little uh, while, and when we get to our uh, when we get to our quick picks, I've been kind of swept away by the quiet optimism that seems to have existed in Kilkenny over the last 24 hours. They're they're very very persuasive people when they play down their chances. Let's just put it like that. But we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, Miles Kavanagh is where we're going to start this morning. He is a man who lives in the city centre of Kilkenny here. He is a massive, massive Kilkenny fan. We're going to show you around the front garden of his house in this video. It is decorated beyond all belief. The thing about Miles Cavanaugh is that he is also a massive Elvis Presley fan and he is one of Kilkenny's foremost Elvis tribute artists. So here's how our conversation went.
3: Would you believe it? Elvis said it to his fans because they were screaming at him, "You're the king." He said, "There's only one king: the Lord
0: God Jesus Christ." Uh, do, you not, do you not think Henry has a level above him? Uh, no.
3: Well, Henry is Henry is the king as well, but he's not the king anymore since he left and went to Galway. You People walking down the street there and one could be dressed as Elton John and another could be dressed as Rod Stewart and people say, Hey you Rod, hi Elton. but if you're dressed as a king, you say Elvis, come we get a picture of Curse ma'am, you you get a picture, baby. I love you, honey. I love you too. You see the movie, baby? I oh, saw the movie, honey. You look well, Elvis, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's that sort of relationship that people have with with you that they think is Elvis.
3: Actually, I mean I can't walk down the street without people shouting out the car, Go on the king, go on the king. Are we going to do it on Sunday? Of course we can. And then we, can, we all shook up, you'll be staying in the Harper and they be crying in the chapel. Elvis's great-great-great-grandfather came from Hackenstown, County Carlow. So we, we we have Irish connections like with Elvis. And there's an Elvis Presley grave in Hackenstown that um, someday I'll probably go down and see if I can find it. Because a couple of years ago one of the locals, this uh, the car pulled up, hard car, and this lovely lady got out, she all dressed up. She said to him, a guy sat in the front driver's seat, he looked like Elvis, he spoke like Elvis, he talked like Elvis. And I said, uh, sure, we're looking for a grave. There's a Presley grave, here yeah ma'am I was up in the graveyard could you show me could you show me and the man said i guarantee he said it was elvis he said elvis never died he said because we were in graceland in 2006 we actually saw him looking out the window we went back in security we said elvis is alive he never died
0: yeah I'm, i'd be 90 percent sure you're correct
3: well i guarantee you would you believe it we actually believe That he faked his own debt. What age is he now? He would be uh, 1935 to 19 uh, this year, 2022. He would be what? Um, He would be 84, 85, yeah, 84. It would be a 85, if we can subtract that 35 from 22. 87, 87. sorry, sorry, 87. And um, we reckon, we reckon he's still alive and yeah. we reckon he came over to down to look for his roots.
0: If you're ever at an Elvis convention or a gathering of various um, Elvis tribute artists, do you ever look around and think, could be him?
3: Well, funny enough, now that you said it, we were in Vegas one year, myself and my wife went over to Vegas in 2008. We actually thought it was Elvis.
0: Probably was, like, did he look like him?
3: The wife said, she actually spoke like him, he talked like him, and the wife said, you know something? She says, I actually think that's Elvis, she says. (laughs)
0: Can I ask you a question? If you had a choice between two of these things happening, you wake up on Sunday, so you lie in a little bit, and you wake up in the afternoon, and you wake up to one of these two pieces of news, A, Kilkenny have won the All-Ireland, or B, it has been confirmed, Elvis is alive. Which one of those two situations would you rather see arise? Wow,
3: wow, do I have to pick one? I just can't pick, I I can't pick the two, no. The All-Ireland. I'm sorry, Elvis, but I'm sorry. The All-Ireland to us is just, it's in our hearts. I know the king is the king and I love the king, but the All-Ireland, the winning All-Ireland is just, my God, it's like winning the lotto. I'd rather win in all Ireland, and and then
0: wake up again and say, yeah, the king is alive. Well, I think we bought an order that the king is really alive, you know, somewhere. It's
3: hard to know. I mean, I'd love, I'd love if, if it came out, excuse me, if it came out that the king was alive, that it was all the big. It was all. It was. He was never. He faked his own
0: death. What does Elvis think of the current Kilkenny team?
3: Well, I reckon. I think they're brilliant. I swear to God, I'm not sure. I think Cody's a god. In, in Kilkenny, when we meet Brian Cody, we don't say, Hiya, Brian, we just genuflect, because we just met Jesus. And this is the way Brian is. And he's a fierce, nice fella. Oh, my God, you couldn't... I mean, on Sunday, I'll go over to Langton's, I'll put the suit on, I'll walk in and I'll sing, It's the wonder, the wonder of Brian. And he would smile and say, Go on, the cat's... go around the town beeping a horn if we win. If we lose, God knows what we'll do. I don't know, I'd probably be staying at the Harper Cartel or crying in the chapel.
0: Very well played.
3: I'll do a little song for Brian Cody, who is my best friend and a gentleman. Bertie was there last week. It's called The Wonder of Brian. no one else can understand you When everything he does is right He gives us hope and inspiration He gives us strength to carry on He's always there to a little hand In everything we do That's the wonder, the wonder of Brian Very good. Thank you very much.
1: What an absolute character. Oh, my God. Uh, we just genuflect when we see Cody.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, what, what other thing are you supposed to do, I guess, when you when you see Brian Cody? Uh, that, that guy, uh, Miles Gavin, is an extraordinarily popular man. I was told uh, to, to come back at a later point when I first arrived yesterday afternoon because there was simply too much media at his house.
1: Oh, wow. And so is his whole house decorated inside as well?
0: Inside is mostly an Elvis shrine. Outside is a Kilkenny... Uh, quite, a, quite a trippy Kilkenny setup. like there are some uh, strange like as you saw in the video there's like Teletubbies and uh, very strange uh, kind of uh, references that I didn't really get out in the front garden but uh, it's very interesting you could spend like an hour there looking through all the different ornaments he's got set up in, in the black and amber
1: and you asked him a tough question would he rather meet Elvis or win the All-Ireland he paused but in the end he, he went for the All-Ireland
0: he did. I guess that's probably just the instant gratification. It's, it's coming this week, you know, and I think uh, he's uh, he's obviously leaned into the, to the conspiracy that Elvis is alive anyway. So I think he's he probably he can have both in that conversation, I think.
1: Brilliant. And who else were you speaking to then?
0: OK, so uh, yesterday I, I was uh, told by Tommy Welch actually to give this guy a, a call. This is a, a fellow called Dick O'Gorman. He is a farmer who lives just outside Pilltown in County Kilkenny. He was actually featured in an Aldi ad a few years ago as uh, one of the farmers in uh, in one of their ads talking about beef and uh, he is a big big hurling man he's also a massive racing head as a lot of people in Kilkenny are and we got talking about hurling we got talking about racing but he just starts off here by telling us a little bit about his family
4: I have three children four three girls and a boy he and myself are married to a Glenmore woman Glenmore blood like a fella used to say down the road you couldn't bait it Mikey last and Larson, a great friend of mine and uh yeah, three, the three girls then got married and they're married sure, into Holland. Holland is their god, Holland. They love Holland, the women. And the young fellow didn't holland, but he trained horses and uh, he was very successful. I had, but he's working for a man who called Max Morris and his wife down the road, they have a stud farm and he's fast. It's a big racing area here as well, that's the one thing we should say. Yeah, big racing area here, Aidan O'Brien started down the road, I started with him actually, I gave 10 years with Aidan on the road with horses and doing the galloping, looking after them the best I could, started them in the best way possible. But on no need to start Aiden. Aidan started himself. He's not doing too badly. No, not doing too badly. Great very successful individual. Great family as well. Uh Joseph is down the road here now where Aiden started and Donica is outside Bally Doyle there up the road a bit from Clarendale well very very successful family the Crawleys where they started off Joseph uh lots of mercy on Joseph he, he's gone too and uh Sarah was there, she was the key woman behind the whole set-up, great woman and a great family. You've obviously, when you
0: talk about the black and amber, seen quite a bit during your days, you've been going to Kilkenny matches for how long at
4: this point? Well, I was going to matches since back, I'll tell you, I would be I, I father at a match in Dublin one day, or in Kilkenny, in Kilkenny, and Kilkenny were playing Dublin, and... I'd always it, sitting on the seat above the Nolan Park and the Dublin team. They were a great team at the time, but I was very young. And uh, there were two lads playing with them, two little baldy men, with their black hair on them, like sheep. And they were called bootmans, they were brilliant hurlers, outstanding ball players, fast great men, and the two Foley's, Lar Foley and Des Foley, in the middle of the field. They played Munster. They played Leinster football and Holland. They were legends, great men. But there was a man playing that day stuck out in my mind. And it was unbelievable how he stuck in my mind all these years. He was the first skillful, great player that I saw. And he always... I, uh, an outstanding hurler. His name was, he was a taller own man as well. He was Sean Classy. He was a brilliant player. Brilliant. Outstanding holler. And uh, he went on to win all And Yeah, that was part of the whole history of that, going back.
0: Can we go back? You mentioned Eddie Kerr there a moment ago. Can you tell us a little bit about
4: what it was like to watch him in the flesh, year in, year out? Yeah, great thrill. F- fantastic time we used to go to Croke Park that time well all, all them early years we get the train above in Kilkenny a crowd we'd be picking the team for the train the night before and uh, we'd be known in the pub and we'd be saying are you going are you going And next thing, we'd arrive with about 10 or 12 of us and we'd hit off on the train mighty crack mighty but the, the cows. The Posses, the Delaney's, dim boys, the Hendersons. They were serious men. They didn't care. They didn't mind about big days or quiet days or any other. Every day was the same to them. They were absolutely brilliant. On the day, there Billy Fitzpatrick there, from the corner flag I seen one day in Crow Park, from the corner flag, he scored points. Unbelievable stick work. Unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, Kerr, Kerr was brilliant hurler. Fantastic speed. He had everything. He had speed, skill, stuff. Everything was in him. Then you go to the carry boy. The boy of the is DJ. What a legend. The whole place, you'd meet people over the county from in Kilkelly. You could meet a lad from... Carl or you could meet him from Port Leash or you could meet him from anywhere in the country come to see Carey. Carey was one of the greatest of all time mm. I suppose maybe the greatest but then you had the Sheflins Henry, the King Henry I knew him when he was only a child buying cattle up for his father Henry and uh, great family the Sheflins great people, great Holland people Great memories of him Then, I suppose, you'd go on to the present day. That's what you want to hear about today is the Hurling Sunday. This is going to be the challenge. This is the biggest of ever put in front of a Kilkenny team. You have a crowd coming from Limerick. Some of the greatest athletes ever was. They are big men, strong men. They're able to hurl. They have speed, they have scale, and they have the money behind them, <laughs> which is more important. They have J.P. as one of the greatest racing legends of his time. That man say, "Do this, do that." They'll do it. And Coyley have him back in them as well. Would Coyley and that outfit? They are going to be some team to topple. They have the. They have the skill, they have the ignorance still. Mm-hmm. They are big ignorant men and they, they'll go. They'll go. But they are a small little point in it. Have they the Holland? Mm-hmm. Have they the skill of the boys? The boys will be there. They'll be a good team. They're a good team. They're up with the best of them now. And I'll talk about the legends. I'll give me number one now. That he's the best I ever saw. That's TJ Reid. Best ever? Best ever. He's a man. Played with bad teams in Kilkenny. Carried them on his back. Do the same thing every day. Get some of the greatest scores ever scored. I see him in Kilkenny one day, and he scored a point from 80 yards out over his shoulder, out looking over the black spot. There was a man beside me called Ned Welsher I was talking to him yesterday. The coal man we called him. He was then sitting beside me, he turned around Dickie said that only one man can do that and that's TJ Reid. TJ Reid is one of the greatest of them all. And Eddie Kerr said on the paper one day, he could be the greatest. Better ever at all. And I was going into Tullis and I met Kerr and I said to him, Eddie, what about the statement that he was going to be one of the greatest? Well, since Kerr, he have another few years to prove it. A couple of years more, and he will be the greatest. That's five years ago. He's after doing a lot of hurling since. And no doubt about it, Sunday, he'll be there again. He'll be one of the big men they'll have to watch. For tremendous striker of the ball. Brain. He makes it look easy. Good hands. One of the best I saw. TJ Reid. And I I believe that Kilkenny will give Lim, I don't know will they bear him. I don't know will they bear him now. But I'll tell you one thing they'll give it a good try. Oh, brilliant men. Ah, they were they there. And we have them coming again. We have young lads coming. They're around in different parishes. they won on under 21 this year. Couple of good young lads on it, they're a couple from up, there, and a few good young lads. I'll tell you one thing. up is only up the road from us here. there would be plenty. One time, that man from Clare, Brian, and not Brian Law no, and other man there, he was a the manager there one time. David. They, no, no. They, he was on television. In No, the jail said one time someone said to him, uh, uh said so there'll be a lot of good young lads coming around the country. They'll rise up again. They'll different lads. Call Limmy. Le- got him. Limmy Le- got him." And La answered back, and he said, listen to me, he said, do you think they won't be coming in Kilkenny? Mm-hmm. They're a conveyor belt there, he said. They're always coming off it. They'll be in Kilkenny too.' Yeah. That's why it's such a great county for Holland, because they know nothing else. Okay. We won a football match the other day, and it was, which was unbelievable. They won a junior football all-Ireland. And most of the lads were from Mulnavat on it. And uh, I suppose... I suppose football in Kilkenny. Well, for years and years, you know how football was in Kilkenny. We do, we don't play soccer in Kilkenny. We play the beat, not in great Holland. Holland is our religion, and that's our game. And if we bet Sunday again, what difference? Mm. We'll have them coming again. Can I ask then just to wrap up? How would you feel
0: on Sunday if Kilkenny were climbing the steps of the Hogan stand? I'd be very proud.
4: Probably to see a Richie Reid going up now will be a big honor because in fairness to the Reeds, their father before him and as a matter of fact, his grandmother was a first cousin of mine. She was Marnie Kellsgrave, Jenny Marnie and married a man called Paddy Reid Kiltarkin and he brought all them young lads, his own young lads and then TJ's young lads, Sean's young lads he started all them and load them, them into the car and bring them on and I tell you one thing uh, uh, the Richie, Richie Reid best club all on Ireland at the present time, no doubt about that he is the best and uh, the see going up the steps will be a big honour. Big honour for the county and I'm Stephanie's family. And Sean, a great friend of mine, Sean Reed. we went to uh, bought a lot of cattle off of Sean. I used to buy old cattle in the country that time, bought all his cattle and we returned the compliment here. We were feeding cattle ourself. Uh, TJ will rip rep for Conleys and uh, we bought the nuts off of TJ and TJ come in and have the whole cup of tea and the chat and a lovely man, a lovely fella and best of luck to him with his new wife and baby and uh, the very best of luck to him. I hope he many happy days because he gave us great days.
1: Dick O'Gorman there, a local farmer in Kilkenny. Oh and you definitely can feel the emotion, the passion when you ask the question how would you feel to climb the steps of the Hogan stand you could you could see he got a lump in his throat before he answered
0: yeah, absolutely, he's uh, the number one uh, man in the, the TJ Reid fan club as well. It's it's interesting when whenever you speak to somebody who's seen hurling for decades and decades and decades, I don't know that like they often go for the the, the the player who maybe isn't currently playing, but I think maybe we were all sort of guilty of recency bias. It's really interesting that he kind of went for TJ Reid as the greatest hurler he's ever seen and I think that conversation was maybe something that we had more a few years ago that, that that's a topic around TJ and I'm not sure why that was it seems that that conversation has kind of drifted away over the last couple of years maybe because Limerick have just become more dominant and when we have conversations around the greatest of all time it, it can only involve Limerick because they're the only team who've won all Ireland over the last two years so I just think that's if they win on Sunday, now this isn't something that the Kilkenny players are thinking about at all. But if they win on Sunday, I think that TJ Reid conversation about his place in the pantheon of greats just explodes back into the mainstream and people will immediately start saying where where does he actually rest in in, in terms of the greats and uh, he, people will put him right up against Sheflin and and DJ Carey immediately if he manages to to get the job done and i think that claire performance was just a reminder of what he can do what he, he can, what he can absolutely still do nobody is suggesting that uh, TJ Reid has gone anywhere <laughs>
1: No, absolutely not. It is nice that we're actually talking about him as one of the greatest as a current player because as you said, sometimes um, a lot of people can can look to the past and talk about former players, but uh, he's just been unbelievable. He's in the form of his life and I think if Kilkenny are to do it on Sunday, he has to be um, in that top form that he's been in the in the last few games, absolutely. And so you've been to, to Limerick and Kilkenny now. So... I suppose, what is the mood like in each camp? What um, Who's, I suppose, most confident or what's the feeling you're getting?
0: I, there definitely seems to be this feeling in Kilkenny that, you know, you're sure let Limerick go and put their bunting up and let them get excited and let them get... Uh, very very confident about this game this weekend like when we hear from Eddie O'Connor a little bit later on you'll definitely get that sense that maybe Limerick there's a sense of you know they're still trying to appreciate being in an All-Ireland every year that they maybe feel that this is a team that's going to give them the greatest times of their life, whereas Kilkenny, it kind of feels, you know, what we're back in all-Ireland, no big deal. Uh, and as underdogs, there's a, a certain danger to, to to having a conversation in, uh, with Kilkenny people because there there is a similarity with Kerry people where they just like to downplay their chances <laughs> that little bit, even though we all saw what they did in that semi-final against Clare there a pretty awesome unit when when they're in top form.
1: I think that's the scariest thing of all that Kilkenny are going in as underdogs. I think that is brilliant for them. They love that. They're going to relish that. And that's what's most scary for Limerick.
0: Mm, yeah, like uh, uh, I, I do think though that Limerick have got this incredible ability to not let that sort of stuff impact their course like I think last year we were maybe having the same conversation you know about uh, Corp being an underdog getting that big win against Kilkenny after extra time in the, the semi-final and we, we thought you know that's the, the dangerous animal that maybe Limerick would be a little bit vulnerable to and it just didn't materialize that way the big difference here though is just you know Cody and the fact that there are all Ireland winners in this team getting up the hill the first time is a really challenging thing to do and I think the Waterford and Cork aspects of the last couple of years were deer in the headlights sort of thing, as in, you know, they had to get up the mountain the first time, whereas the Skilkenny team have so many All-Ireland winners uh, in there. Um, not so many, but a, a handful of All-Ireland winners in there, and it kind of feels like even those that don't have All-Ireland medals have already got have already got them, and it kind of feels that like they already have that experience for whatever reason. Maybe it's just a jersey, maybe it's just Cody, but that psychological aspect is a really interesting one.
1: Yeah, big time. They both have a lot of experience going into the game. And we're going to chat more about this later on, Owen. But for now, OTBAM. it's brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. We're turning our attention now to the final test between Ireland and New Zealand with it all on the line tomorrow. And we're joined to chat about this now with the All Blacks legend, Justin Marshall. Justin, good morning. How's it going?
5: Good morning to you. Well, it's good evening here, but I know it's morning over there. So yes, lovely to be on your show and uh, the excitement levels here in New Zealand as I'm sure they are all across the island about tomorrow's match. Uh, are really feverish out there. The, t- the city is a buzz.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on the show and this third test is going to go right to the wire. There was a massive reaction here in Ireland to the Irish team beating the All Blacks at home for the first time. What was the reaction like there in New Zealand to Ireland winning?
5: Well, there's certainly plenty of Guinness uh, left over here. I'd imagine there wasn't plenty of Guinness left in Ireland. But, um, yeah, it was a little bit more sombre here. Obviously, uh, the All Blacks uh, haven't been beaten by Ireland in 115 years on our soil. So, you know, there was uh, there was certainly that sense of. Uh, you know that, that Ireland certainly deserved to win the game but from an All Blacks perspective uh, they've been outplayed comprehensively and it's set the series up perfectly but it always does hurt when history gets changed to a negative uh, but certainly nobody throughout New Zealand including uh, the public the media and I, I expect probably also the players didn't feel that the best team on the on the night um, didn't win so you know i thoroughly deserved the kudos for their uh, performance and I've set this series up nicely
1: and overall what do you think that people think of this Irish team do you think at this moment in time there's a little bit of doubt there in the, in the All Blacks with facing Ireland tomorrow
5: there certainly is Yeah, I, I don't think uh, there's, there's any doubt about the fact that uh, this Irish team is heavily respected uh, we feel that they're very well coached they're a very well drilled side uh, they know their game plan incredibly well. Uh, they're very consistent with their selection, so the players are very aware of each other. The combinations um, have have great synergy. Uh, whereas the All Blacks at the moment are all over the place. They are constantly changing their team. Uh, they are struggling to break down the Irish defence. Uh, you know, I know the first test was flattering for the All Blacks, but many people here thought it was flattering because. They actually had a bit of Irish luck on their side. The bounce of the ball kind of went went their way. They had some interests. They they probably didn't construct the game as well as Ireland. And actually, in that game, Ireland dominated possession and territory and all of the key stats, but just not the scoreboard. They uh, consequently did that again last weekend. So what what they've done here is actually generate a huge amount of respect for the style and man of rugby that they are playing. It's very New Zealand, uh, I guess, friendly because we love teams that play with the ball and they are doing that. And they are scoring tries to beat the All Blacks, not kicking goals, scoring tries. So they have been incredibly well received out here.
0: Justin, you've been in All Blacks teams that have maybe not got over the line in in World Cups or, or maybe have felt the backlash from the public when they maybe expected you to win every single game in front of you. How does the backlash now compare to some of your experiences as a player?
5: Yeah, I had to suffer through that, uh, a couple of World Cups, you know, we, we went out in semi-finals, and there's always a, a massive review internally, but externally well as well, because the public have a vested interest in the All Blacks. They, they do say that being the All Black coach is a harder job than being the Prime Minister of New Zealand, because the whole country rides the results of the All Blacks. So when the All Blacks lose, uh, it's heavily scrutinised and... The the thing with the with the All Blacks is every sort of uh, man, woman, baby, child, whatever it might be, um, you know, follows follows the team. So when when they're not performing, everybody feels it, and everyone has an opinion. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, for, look, there, there's always times where there is a, a building process. Um, you know, I certainly felt that in my time. You, you got to be able to take the criticism and move on because the expectation levels here are so high that they expect the All Blacks to win every single Test match regardless. Uh, the fallout here has been a lot on the coach Ian Foster. Uh, the players have been criticised but he's copping the main part of the, the, the criticism so it's a massive game for him in terms of how he goes forward for the rest of the year leading to the World Cup as well, the pressure he's under this week.
0: Do you think that's fair that the focus is on Foster?
5: What was that? Sorry, I missed that.
0: Do you think it's fair that the most of the focus is on the head coach?
5: Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm certainly not comfortable with the way the All Blacks are playing. Uh, I certainly feel that they're not playing the traditional game that the All Blacks are well known for, which is getting their back three into the game. So the wingers and the fullback getting space because there's massive attacking potential out there. But at the moment, they're really struggling to get the ball into those outside channels where those players are so lethal. Uh, they're being they're being shut down and beaten quite comprehensively at the breakdown. Um, their set piece has been OK. Uh, but I think the criticism is off the back of... They don't seem to be going out there and constructing a game like Ireland are, and that's what's impressing everybody with Ireland. They're quite comfortable to go 18, 20 phases with the ball to to beat the defence. The All Blacks, after five, six phases, if they get stuck, are resorting to kicking the ball away, and that is very much not in our DNA, to kick the ball away because we're lost for ideas. Uh, That's very outside of what New Zealand rugby thinking is usually like, so... Yeah, I think it is um, justified uh, that they haven't formulated a game plan to bring their key X-Factor players into the game and then they look a little bit lost when they're under pressure. Very unlike them. So that's why they're saying, well, what sort of coaching are they getting and how are the leaders standing up on the field?
1: Yeah, it definitely feels that he's a man under pressure at the minute. But to get rid of a coach a year out from a World Cup, it's, it's not ideal preparation.
5: No, it's not, and, and it won't happen. Uh, you know, as much as people are crying for, for Ian Foster to get the sack, uh, you know, the biggest thing, and, and everybody knows this within sport, when a new coach comes in, it takes them a little bit of time to establish his culture and his mindset uh, and to galvanise the players in the way that he thinks, and, and then they get their synergy off that. But also, if you're a new coach coming in, if it was me, for example, you completely wipe the slate. You don't want any of the support staff. So all the other coaches have to go. Uh, And everybody is, and all the, um, you know, the the other peripheral members of of, uh, support staff, you know, you're talking physios, doctors, because a new coach will bring in the people that he trusts and he knows. So you're talking a massive clean-out and in the modern day, with all the rugby we've lost under COVID in the last two years, the New Zealand Rugby Union, like many unions, wouldn't have, I don't think, the, the finances to support getting rid of an entire team uh, and paying them out and then bringing in a new one. So, um, yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if that happens. So we're really hopeful that Ian Foster and the players can get their act together and start playing uh, the type of rugby that we know they're capable of.
1: And there is some changes to the team for tomorrow. Um, is this the strongest All-Blacks team that you've seen yet of the series?
5: You know what? You see, you hit it right on the right on the nail or right on the head there. The problem is there's more changes. Mm-hmm. And so when you change around key areas of the game, so the midfield is one of them, where they've brought uh, David Harvelli into the midfield with Rico Ioane. Uh, they've made a change in the back three where, where uh, Will Jordan's going into the uh, right wing position. And also the loose forwards and the and the front row. Now they all are areas where you need combos and players that are familiar with each other. And when you get under pressure, you look to the guy beside you. You know that familiar face, and you've been to the coal face before, and you get on with it. So constantly changing the team is not helping get that rhythm that I'm talking about. Conversely, Ireland, I, I could have named Ireland's team this week, to be perfectly honest, because you know it's it's just it's just so well established, and and barring injury. Um, like what Andy Farrell was forced to do with Ring Rose. those players know each other so, so very well. So, yeah, look, there's been some changes. People are saying it's better all that side, but what worries me is it's a side that's going to take a little bit of time to click again and gel. Uh, and they had, can't afford to do that because Ireland have, in the first two test matches, come like a bull out of the gate and started so well in the first 20 minutes. And that's when a test match you can get away from you. So, Look, the players that are coming in are quality players, but I am very wary uh, of the fact that it's more changes in significant positions, and I'm hoping that they find their rhythm quickly, or we could be uh, staring down the barrel even before halftime, which wouldn't be nice. <laughs>
1: it would be it would be on our end but yeah it's funny because we were actually <laughs> <laughs> we were actually hoping for changes over the last while maybe not now coming into the, the final test game you know obviously there's a lot on the line um, but but you're dead right in terms of players being aware of each other being comfortable with each other you know be, you know, you're you're going to play a hell of a lot better if you're aware who's beside you and certain plays. And there's also exciting times as well with Roger Tui sheck He is set to make his debut. He's got a, a good story too.
5: Yeah, he absolutely has. You know, started in rugby, um, he was a age group star, and then rugby snap with him, as they do with. Uh, certain players that have massive potential when they're very young before they, they really get to grow up in rugby. Rugby league get them at a much earlier age than, than what rugby identifies them. So he went off and had a very successful rugby league career, uh, both internationally uh, and mostly in Australia, ended up with New Zealand Warriors, uh, and then left them to get into rugby. Has um, had a very good season with the Blues. Uh, many were surprised that he got selected. they thought that he was still a bit green and needed more time. Um, but he certainly does have unique
1: We've just lost him there, Justin, but we'll get him back in just a moment's time. It was actually interesting. I asked that question Owen, because um, Roger, he obviously can, maybe will come on. He'll make his debut this weekend. Be a massive moment for him. But he actually um, spoke about in an article how he would actually read the plays on an iPad, and he was, you know, he was so concerned of what certain plays. And you know, they said to him, you know, put the, put the iPad down and just concentrate on going out there and expressing yourself, and don't be so caught up in in the plays. So yeah that was an interesting part that I'm going to maybe speak to Justin about too.
0: Yeah I wonder that's that's probably an interesting dilemma for a lot of the New Zealand coaching team at the moment I I suspect the sort of off the cuff nature versus the oh God we need to get control of this team back and we need to coach them to better results so I wonder if they straight a little bit too much like I guess tomorrow will tell us a lot because the pressure doesn't really get any higher than the entire nation as Justin points out there uh, breathing on your neck after a couple of bad results.
1: This is it, absolutely. And we have Justin back, I think. Brilliant. Yes, Justin, we were just talking about Roger there. I was saying to Owen that he actually had spoke about in an article how he was looking at plays on an iPad and Ian Foster just sort of put his hand on his shoulder and said, put the iPad down. You know, we, we want you to go out and play and express yourself and it's it's not about being robots out there.
5: Yeah, sorry about that. We're, we're obviously on the end of the world. I'm not sure how we lost that connection. Uh, I was... I was regaling some Liam Neeson, actually, comparing his particular sets of skills that he has to Roger tuivasa Sheikh and the internet. The internet didn't like it for some reason, but anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, I think that's what they need. I, I think they need to show the ability to play on instinct and, and be not not robotic, but uh, be instinctive. You know, if something appears in front of you. Break out of the pattern and, and use your skills. And and I'm certainly sure that that's why Roger Two of Us Sheik has been included in this week's squad because, you know, pre-contact his footwork is out of this world. He's super explosive and he, he'll be somebody and something that the Irish haven't seen before. So maybe mm-hmm. a little lace up the sleeves that the All Blacks have coming off the off the bench.
0: Uh, just I remember we were speaking to you before uh, Ireland played New Zealand in, in 2019 at the World Cup and obviously we were getting your take as a former scrum half on on Conor Murray and, and his importance to the Joe Schmidt game plan what's been your view of Jamison Gibson Park in the green shirt so far he seems to have uh, come straight in he's done a, a really really good job under Andy Farrell over the last 12-18 months uh, do you think he's been so pivotal to how Ireland have, have changed and their style of play which is a little bit more expressive in 2022
5: yeah I, I certainly do I, I think there's there's no rocket science behind the selection of Jameson uh, Gibson Park um, he he certainly plays his role differently than um, you know than, than other halfbacks and and because of that he, he brings in a unique style Like Connor Murray is a, still a very good international scrum half and incredibly capable so they have a they have a one two punch really Ireland I'm quite surprised that Connor's not been getting more game time. But if you notice and watch Jameson Gibson Park, what he's very good at, a lot of scrum halves will go to, to the breakdown and, and they'll clear the ball quickly like Aaron Smith does. If you keep an eye on Jameson James Gibson Park, what he does is he gets to the ball very quickly, but then he bounces out with a couple of steps. So he actually lifts the ball. Instead of passing it straight away, he'll take a couple of steps, which brings defenders towards him. They have to consider him. And that gives time for players around him to run better lines, run better angles, and it gives Johnny Sexton also time to then make his movement of what Gibson Park is doing um, with depth and and get him behind runners. And that's what is really causing uh, New Zealand defence big, big problems, that that little combo in doing that is really hard to stop because you have to consider... Uh, Gibson Park, in case he decides to run. So, yeah, I certainly think that it's evolved and changed the way that island play, and and particularly attack, and that's why he's being selected. Uh, now, that that might have been that might have sounded quite complicated. So, if it was too complicated complicated for everybody out there, I do apologise. But you yeah, asked me something about scrum halves. I'm going to go in depth. It was my uh, my old position.
1: I'd also be interested to to hear about Johnny Sexton. Is it the best version uh, of Johnny we've seen at the moment?
5: Yeah. Yeah, without doubt. Uh, you know, how how bad is this out here? Many people are saying here at the moment that if we had Johnny Sexton in our side, that would mean him replacing Bowden and Barrett. Uh, you know, we we would we would be much much more organised uh, and would be much much more uh, game plan orientated. You know, he's just pulling all the strings out there. He's doing such a fantastic job. Uh, what well, I watched them in on end on at the weekend and. He is very much at the peak of his powers right now. He's incredibly important to Ireland uh, and the way that they play. Uh, But there's no doubt that he is the catalyst for Ireland's two- to three-prong attack that is causing the All Blacks problem. Every time it touches or goes through Johnny Sexton, uh, there, there, there are major, major options off him that All Blacks are struggling to try and break down.
1: And where does he line up alongside some some of the great out halves? How does he compare to, say, Dan Carter?
5: He walks in their footsteps, uh, without doubt, and, and I think his uh, you know his record speaks of that. you know, not only a great Irish player, against the man, but also a British and Irish line. Uh, you know the, the the caps that he's accumulated, his resilience, uh, the way that he's evolved and changed his game. You know, he walks in the footsteps of the Carters, of the Johnny Wilkinsons, um, of the, of the, of the, the, the world um, in recent years. You know, he's very much um, deserved of that as well. He's a, he's a legend of Irish rugby and world rugby and massively respected here in New Zealand for the way he plays.
1: And overall, Justin, then how do you see it going tomorrow?
5: <laughs> you know what? I had I had Quinny Alan Quinlan on last week on Sky TV, and he absolutely bottled it because he was like, "Mate, this is going out to five million people." What he said, "I oh, don't, yeah, you know, uh, the All Blacks will win comfortably this afternoon." It's like, all oh, right, oh, come on, playing up to the Quilly. crowd. So unfortunately for you guys, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play up. To the Irish listeners, unfortunately, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick true to my, my all-black uh, history and say that the all-blacks will get the job done in a very close encounter, but I have to say that. But if I was perfectly honest, I'm not super confident in saying it, but I am saying it.
1: Go ahead, Owen. Well, I was just
0: going to say, Quinny called uh, an Ireland win on our show last week, Justin.
5: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah! I tell you what, mate. I tell you, the, the superlatives that come out of his mouth sometimes are absolutely outstanding. I think I'm catching him for a beer in about an hour, so uh, don't worry. I'll make sure that I, I I I know that you've told me that. I'll let him know.
1: <laughs> Brilliant, Justin. Thanks so much for joining us this morning.
5: Anytime, guys. Thanks very much for having me on.
1: Yeah, a massive game to look forward to at the weekend. Now it's All Ireland hurling final week, and we've got four priceless tickets to give away on the show this week. And it's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. 2022 marks the sixth year of Borgosh Energy sponsorship of the GA Hurling All Ireland Senior Championship. And to celebrate every day this week, we are giving away 150 euro one-for-all vouchers. And more importantly, each week we will go into Friday's Draw for an incredible grand. Prize of €1,500 Euro one for all voucher and four tickets to Sunday's All Ireland final between Limerick and Kilkenny. To enter, tune into tonight's show. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. You can search hashtag GiftOfTheGab for more.
2: OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow
0: with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.
6: I turned out know, it, was, it was the greatest moment of my life. Uh, you know, the day I capped Kilkenny in 93, and it's hard to believe now that's nearly 30 years ago. Like, I was lucky enough to go on the Kilkenny team in 1990, and we played Tipperary in the All-Ireland Final in 91. We were beaten. In uh, 92, we played Cork in the final, we beat him. And 93, we beat Galway in the final, and I was lucky in 93 that I was captain. And yeah, as I said, it was the greatest moment of my life.
0: Those uh, moments in the the 1990s, uh, when it sticks out to you at this point, what set that Kilkenny team apart from the others?
6: I'd say a lot of it was down to the management at the time was Ali Welch and I would compare Ali maybe to be in the same bracket maybe as Brian Cody even though he mightn't be as ruthless Ali uh, at the time you know came in there after when Pat Henderson stepped aside and Kilkenny need, needed rebuilding and Ali went around the county and picked up players from junior clubs, intermediate clubs and Kilkenny and uh, senior clubs and he moulded us all into uh, being a great team and at the time we had a mid- mixture of experience between players like Christy Heffern and Liam Fenley and we had young players coming through like my brother Willie and DJ Carey and all all this so we we had a very very good mixture like and Ollie was a wonderful man and a great
0: manager and he knew how to
6: get the best out of us
0: It seems like a pretty stupid question but you saw him up close and personal you were there when he burst onto the scene DJ Carey he's often held up in regard that no other Kilkenny player can hold why is that from your perspective?
6: Uh, To me DJ was it was the greatest player that was ever born uh, you know he was a wonderful wonderful player and you know I think uh, our game plan at the time Ollie taught me one night in Nolan Park was uh, plan A was to get the ball into DJ plan B get the ball to DJ plan C was get the ball to DJ and and I said Ollie one night why is why is one plan the whole time well sure Eddie, he's your best player he said if you can feed your best player as quick as you can and as often as you can with the ball he'll win the match and how right he was. Like.
0: Do you think that that's still a tactic that a lot of people employ today?
6: Actually to me like the tactics going today like there's, there's too much old codology going on in Hurling and it's very very much going down the road of football where you know you're zoning marking and then you're playing balls over and back the field and it's not very nice on the eyes to tell you the truth to watch Hurling now compared to the, there's no really Hurling now off the cuff where it was in the, in the 80s and 90s like the Hurling that time was off the cuff and and to me now it's it's all kind of programmed hurling now and as I said at times it can be a hard watch and I'd much prefer watching the games back in the 1890s not because I was playing myself now or anything that way but I thought the hurling that time was, was even a lot better than the hurling today.
0: And would you say that's the vast majority of teams today that you, that you don't like watching?
6: Yeah, it's, it's, it's not because there's no as I said like there's no off the cuff type of hurling like that time if you got a fast ball into the full forward line the full forwards whether it was Tom Dempsey or Nicky English, the game was was finished in a blink. Like now it's all sweeper systems. You have seven, eight, nine men behind the ball. You have numerous works uh, numerous kind of, how would I to say, scrums around the middle of the field, and it's dog eat dog out there. Like, but as I said, like there's no the cuff type of hurling like anymore. Very very rarely now you see a player hitting the ball on the ground. Like compared that time when you had Johnny Pinkle and all an them Johnny Dooley. Of Roughly. they were wonderful stick men and all great 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 Ground stroke hurling, and you know, and as I said, now even the, the hurling this day is while I enjoy it a lot, like there are times when it can be hard to watch.
0: What about if you were to be inserted in today's game? Like, do you think that you'd be a bit of an outlier as a, as a man marker? Like, do you think it's kind of so systemic at this point or systematic that you don't actually get the opportunity to go one on one too often with an opposition man?
6: Yeah, well, I always felt like my priority is a back, and what I don't like about hurling now is there are too many easy scores being got. I, when I was brought up in Glenmore, my priority was always to be a John Henderson type cornerback was that all costs stopped my man from scoring and I felt if I held the corner forward scoreless, that I'd done a great job and with the exception of Kyle Barrett and Tipperary and Mikey Butler at the moment with Kilkenny I don't see that out there the trademark now for defending is you hit every second ball let the corner forward score 4 or 5 points and you clear 9 or 10 balls and it looks like exhibition type And compared to what it was that time you go back to the 80s there you had Brian Cody playing fullback for Kilkenny, you had Dico and Dara Connor and you had John Henderson, and you know without being too abrupt, like you, you, they'd break your neck in order not to leave you score like, and Jar Henderson the same way, they're centre back and go on to the likes of the Mick Jacobs of Wexford and all them and Pat Hartigan, you know they, that time hurling was, which uh, stop your man from scoring like now it's kind of a, a kind of a free for all, it's kind of exhibition hurling a lot of the time you score a we score a point you score a goal we score a goal and I think a lot of the good defending has gone
0: out of the game So the hurlers aren't necessarily better they're just getting more time
6: No I don't think the hurling is any better now compared to what it was in the, in the 80s and 90s and I beggar, I, I'd i argue that with anyone you go back to the 90s Clare won in All-Ireland Offaly won in All-Ireland Kilkenny won in All-Ireland Wexford won in All-Ireland Chip won in All-Ireland the hurling was ultra ultra competitive so it was that time but to me now it's not near as competitive and the way while fitness levels have increased 100% like to me the hurling is, is not as good now as what it was back in the 80s and 90s and you've also got to remember that time there was no round robin system there was no back door that time it was you got one Sunday to get it right and you know we won two islands out of three in 91 92 and 93 and had we got the back door I'd say in 94 95 we could have easily went on and won three or four in the row. But the back door wasn't there at that time, and like while while Herland is still in a very very good place now, uh, to me it wasn't near as good as what it was back then. Are,
0: are, are they more skilled today?
6: I wouldn't say more skilled. No, if anyone tells me like players are more skillful than the likes of Martin Story or Nicky English or DJ Carey, than any dim players out there today are as skillful as them, uh, it beggars belief really with me. And no, I wouldn't think so. I, to me, they're a lot more fitter today, and they have recovery sessions and they're training six and seven nights a week the game has probably gone a good lot faster Like, but are they any more skillful than the players no the players back then to me were better than any of the players I think playing today
0: One of the other things I just wanted to ask you about is just this um, maybe the, some of the, the talk this year was after the Limerick and Clare game about how Munster Hurling was was kind of on a pedestal and, and how it was possibly the, the best game of the year and the best game for, for quite some time uh, it feels as if you know, you've got some sort of joy off knocking that narrative out of the water a little bit that they've got every chance of winning this weekend that a Leinster champion has every chance of winning this weekend
6: yeah to me like a lot of Hurland that's that was played there in Munster over the last number of years is over, overhyped and there's a load of cod wattle to tell you the truth to tell you that uh, Leinster Hurland is way way behind Munster hurling, and I don't believe any of that rubbish like there's a lot of former players out there from Clare and Nimerick telling, telling everyone this was the greatest Munster final of all time I watched that game and while intensity levels were high and the standard of hurling was good but it certainly wasn't the greatest of all time I thought both sets of defences that day were poor both both teams put up big scores and as I said you have a lot of former players out there like there was in particular one former player from Warford telling everyone all year especially us here in South Kilkenny that this is the greatest Warford panel of all time and uh, if and when they win all Ireland that he'd ride a horse nay it down the key of Warford, like, and you know, it is maybe maybe it is a donkey he should get, like, and you'd have a donkey on a donkey. Because if that guy thinks like that, you're going to win Munster, uh, win all irelands by by uh, playing the Munster ways, certainly
0: that won't be
6: that won't beat the teams in Leinster.
0: I get the sense that maybe. Teams who get ahead of themselves, who get a little bit carried away with their chances of winning an All-Ireland. That's not very much the Kilkenny mentality.
6: No, the Kilkenny mentality has always been you go out on a Sunday, you do your best. And I suppose it's a bit like what Limerick are doing like. And to me, Limerick have been very, very good champions, if not great champions over the last number of years. But I don't think they have beaten any of the Leinster teams uh, in an All-Ireland final last year. I would have to say Cork collapsed I'd say the year before Waterford collapsed but I don't see that happening with Kilkenny this this Sunday and I don't believe for a minute as I said that Munster Hurling is way well ahead of, ahead of Leinster like I think Kilkenny have every chance coming into Sunday's game and while Limerick are favourites they're, they're favourites on what they've done in the past and I don't think they're favourites on what they have done this year because I'd say without doubt the best 35 minutes of Hurling I saw this year was Kilkenny's first half performance in Clay and if Kilkenny bring a 70-minute performance like that, uh, Limerick won't beat him next Sunday.
0: How is... Brian Cody kept going for so long like I, that, that you know, conversation we had a moment ago about how hurling has changed and, and maybe you're saying that there are still so many basics that that are so important do you think Brian Cody has actually allowed himself to, to change a little bit and, and allow new ideas to, to be formulated in his camp
6: yeah I'd say look look, without a doubt like I say Brian Brian has changed over the last five or six years like Kilkenny were, didn't achieve much with the ex- exception of winning three in a row in Leinster I think they were beaten in the last two semi-finals. That, that is not really acceptable in Kilkenny. I think since 2016, Brian has changed. And what I liked more so this year than other years, I, I like the Kilkenny panel. I think they have huge, huge strength on the sideline. When you look at Conor Delaney, there is a very good sub for the full back line. I think you have Conor Fogg there, Killian killing Buckley to come into the half back line. And when I up front I look at Walter Welch Richie Hogan Richie Lahey most players uh, you know most of them players have gone on any other team and didn't throw in a young David Blanchfield there and I think Brian has probably maybe mellowed might be the wrong word but I, I definitely think Brian has uh, you know changed a bit in, in the last couple of years like while he is still the, the same ruthless manager as ever like I, I do think he has probably mellowed maybe a small bit
0: do you remember the, the early years of, of Brian Cody? Do you wish you could have played under him a little
6: bit? Ah, yeah, I certainly would. Like I was, I was lucky enough in Glenmore that I played full back for Glenmore, and one match in particular, I came on full forward, and Brian was full back for James Stevens, and. Ah, he kind of done a bit of David Goliath job, David and Goliath job on me one night above in in Huggins Town, and I remember a couple of years later Brian was full forward for James Stevens and I was after developing into a, a teak tough full back for Glenmore Moore and on this occasion I think I got a better of him so uh, yeah I would have uh, probably would have liked to have played under Brian whether it have lasted too long or not uh, I don't know but I, I certainly know uh, I think Brian is Brian is Brian is what he is like he's honest he's fair he's he's ruthless, he's tough, he's all the hallmarks of being the greatest manager of all time, but uh, I think the one thing that sums up Brian is honesty and anyone will tell you in Kilkenny that if you play well in training you'll be on the team, Brian don't care about your club, but, well he does care in in a sense that you play well with your club but the, the, if you play well in training you'll be on the team and Brian gives everyone a chance and I don't think any player can crib from the fact that if they're not on the team, it is not because they they didn't get a fair chance it's because they're not good
0: enough. Do you think you were a hard player to manage?
6: Yeah, I probably was compared to my brother Willie, I suppose. Yeah, I was probably happy-go-lucky maybe and... Often people compare myself and Willie, which we were two very, very different players. Willie was a much, much better hurler than me, so he was, and Willie probably trained a lot harder than how I, I did. But if you, if we were playing an All island final tomorrow morning, and you wanted one of the two was to mark or Alan Gallan, I have no doubt Hollywell should be asking me rather than Willie, because I was much, much better for, you know, tight marking, and I was much, much better from, for closing down people, and you know, uh, so like when I was playing cornerback like, I, I, as I said I describe myself as a bit like Mikey Butler and Carl Barrett the best way of marking a great forward is to get out in front of him anticipate the play and get out in front of him and that was what I used to do whether it was Eugene Cloonan or Tom Dempsey or any of them former great players I used to often in matches gamble and a lot of the time, times it worked for me and you know but myself and Willie we speak regularly and I'm in contact with a good lot of former players and you know for Willie to be captain in 2000 and as I said when I was captain in 93 it was a wonderful achievement for both of us and a wonderful achievement for our family like and to the moment we'll treasure until we die
0: You obviously did your Laker Gale together uh, a few years back uh, yourself and the brother would you say you're very close as brothers?
6: Ah like I wouldn't yeah well we would be close enough as brothers like and you know and Willie's living in Monlevat as well and as I said we speak regularly and all that like and we we you know, if what we used to always do, like when we were playing with Kenny we used to meet up every Monday evening in the Glen Bar with Pat and Mickey Barn, they were the proprietors of pub. Pat used to hold with us below, and you know, we used to have a sing song every Monday evening. And Michael Field and Liam Welsh and the whole lot of us meet up. and I remember one good story a number of years later, Ali Welch said to us, uh, You know, he said, Lads, I'm getting phone calls every Monday evening that the Glenmore lads are, are, are belong to Glen Bar and you're drunk again. And he said yeah holly we were well he said lads keep hurling the way you are he said and i'm going to go drinking witchy and and that's how close we were that time and yeah we would be still reasonably close yeah
0: right that, that's interesting because i was just going to ask like with we uh, tommy Welch on the show this week who was uh, talking about the pride he gets from one of his close friends or uh, a brother winning in all Ireland and he thinks TJ would get similar pride on Sunday if his brother Leslie McCarthy like did you see him as just another teammate or, or did you see him as the most special teammate because he is literally your brother?
6: Actually I always thought he was the most special teammate because you know uh, at the time we were living at home and mess with my mother and father and my mother died in 2000 the year that Willie was captain and you know uh, that was a I suppose a poignant moment for us really like and uh, any time if you thought you played bad you could discuss it with one Another and we'd always had to you know help out one another and especially like with Glenmore because I ended up full back with Glenmore for most of my career and Willie ended up center back and while we were great <laughs> I suppose great friends in the club we were still great friends with the county and more often than not like with the club the two was a lot of the heavy lifting was left to the two was, and you know and any time we did have problems with players often we'd switch and Willie if I was struggling on a night with a player Willie would pick him up or if he was struggling and yeah it, it helped us tremendously Like, and, and I, I know where Tommy Tommy was coming from I said uh, no the greatest moment I had was 93 Windall Island and certainly the second greatest moment moment was when Willie lifted a cup in 2000 and you know for two brothers in the one family to achieve that in a lifetime was, was uh, I'd like to say a remarkable achievement. Do you talk about it much now? Do you reminisce much as brothers? Uh, not really no we tend to often look back with fond memories and uh, I suppose people will tell you you shouldn't be looking back but we'd always look back and remember the times and remember you know at the time when we were we used to all travel together on train and a good friend of ours Paddle Kelly had a mini, had a minibus, and Powder used to pick us up every evening, and we got training. And after a lot of matches, maybe on the way back, we might win for one or two pints, and you know, we'd have a sing song, and I uh, People often ask the question, Eddie. What would you, how good you would yourself and Willie and Michael Field and them have been, had you not been drinking? Like I'd say, we'd probably have been superstars, really, because you know at that time we were happy-go-lucky, and the highlight for us at the end of the week, or the at, for the week, was the Monday Eve and the sing-song and the Glen Bear. That was the highlight for us, and it was, you know, uh, we look back on that and we cherish it, with was probably some of the greatest memories we had.
0: So would you be doing the sing songs on the Monday night in the Glen Bar the week of a
6: championship game? No, we used to skip a couple of weeks for the championship. Right. Like, it was more so after the game rather than, yeah. oh no, you wouldn't rave at that like in Kilkenny, so you wouldn't. No, right. it was after the games.
0: Do you think you underachieved uh, as, a, as a team? Then, if you're talking about that,
6: I'd say we did. Yeah, we probably could have been better. But as I said, like we have to give credit where credit is due. Like some of the hurling there in the eighties and nineties was, I said, there were some wonderful teams out there that went on to win All-Irelands. And you know, at the time we came up again a, a, a great Offaly team, we came up again a Wexford team that went along and won the '96 All-Ireland. We clear were emerging at the time. No, we won two All-Irelands out of three like, and we have to be grateful for that and it was a hell of an achievement at the time like. but uh, had we maybe stayed out of Glen Bear, would we have won more?
0: Certainly would have helped us to win more. Yeah, but you probably have uh, just as good memories now as a result of that. Um, that that team as as a whole, are you are you close with them all? Like, I know you, you didn't do the Jubilee in 2018 if I'm not mistaken. No, I didn't but I kind of fell
6: out with uh what would I say? I was a bad boy Kilkenny hurling when I made a speech in '93, and you know I probably didn't help things myself, but I certainly didn't get much support from Kilkenny. I always said when I was going up the steps of Crow Park, I'd like to think I'd make it good for the players coming after me. I always felt like that the players weren't appreciated by Crow Park or by some of the county boards, and what better place was it to say it in, in, than when I was accepting the McCarthy Cup? Uh, I'd like to think that I made Good for all the players. that are going forward now. They're getting much better expenses. They're getting much better medical uh, assessments, and they're getting much better as regards the majority. Have company cars and all that. And while a lot of people said I, I caused trouble or I advocated professionalism, I never did. I never wanted to see hurling go professional. I don't think the GA could stand that. But I do feel like that the players should be rewarded a lot more. And you know, certainly going forward, I'd like to see the winners of the football all Ireland maybe the winners of the hurling all Ireland getting say 20,000 a man in vouchers and I'd like to see the runners up getting 15,000 and maybe the Munster finalists 10,000 the length of to me you know what I mean the longer you go on the year the more strain is putting on the body the longer hours you're doing there's a better chance you have of getting injured and all that so I do think there should be a a, a system there where you reward success and all that and while I'm not advocating or anything that way like uh, for professionalism I do think there's still plenty of room for improvement
0: you on the steps of the Hogan stand asked for a holiday fund for, for players basically that, that was the gist of it what, what, what was the what was the backlash like at that point
6: ah sure like uh the backlash from all the players was a pat on the back and from any, <laughs> any anyone involved in county panels, a pat on the back but certainly the backlash from the Kilkenny County Board was dismal I was treated very, very badly like, what, did
0: uh, what did they do? I
6: remember, I remember coming home on the train that night or the following evening and I was told, said to me by one official they said, Eddie, uh, you're a dead man walking and you better you know I mean, uh, that your, your place will be in jeopardy next year, he said uh, over what you said there today and because a lot of the people in the county board could see no evil, hear no evil, or smell no evil, but I didn't care. I often said to people after me, "If I'm the best cornerback, I said in Kilkenny, you won't be. Able, you don't have the balls to drop me." And they wasn't. You know what I mean? They backtracked a bit on it. And I remember uh, a couple of years later, I got involved in an incident with my club Glenmore uh, with a referee, and I got suspended for six months. And uh five of the months were for the speech i made in crow
1: yes owen chanwood former Kilkenny captain eddie o'connor there it was the glenbar that got in the way of them winning more owen
0: (laughs) yeah i guess so like it's a really interesting period of time isn't it that uh, early 90s and the, the sort of revolution years in hurling i guess we were talking to tom ryan the other day about limerick coming so close around that period of time what we usually hear are the, the glory tales of uh, Offaly and, and Wexford and Clare in particular uh, not seeing Kilkenny and Tip and Cork dominating that period was was probably really uh, interesting when we look back obviously Limerick are having their glory days right now so maybe the Glen Barrow was the, the thing that, that stopped it all maybe that just could have been another Kilkenny uh, golden era had it not been for that place on a on a Monday night but it's, it's really interesting that listening to, to Teddy talk there he, he did have to do and pull back the curtain here he You'd have to do the interview twice. No. Um, oh. uh, my fault. It's, this has never happened to me, Ashley. I'm, I'm not sure this has happened to you, but where an interview just doesn't record. So yesterday was the first time where it happened. Now, I was convinced that I'd clicked record, but yeah. when I went back to check the phone, the screen was blank, and there was nothing there, and I was like, oh, my God. So he is such a gentleman that he did it again, and when I sat back into the car afterwards... <laughs> I looked at my phone and I had two interviews with Eddie O'Connor. I don't know what had happened. So first it did record the first one. time. It did record, so I've got two different interviews. But I play. It's great, you know. You could choose the the best from the two events and you play can. it out as opposed to. So, so we got a a second take at it as we uh as we sat on this car there with the the handbrake on. So um, that's Eddie O'Connor, like really, like it's it's really interesting because like when you when you listen to him talk there, you might say that. He maybe has some uh, traditional values, but really what he's kind of very well remembered for as a Kilkenny captain is trying to usher in a new era in the attitude towards GEA players where he calls for a holiday fund on the steps of the Hogan stands. Like he uses his speech in 93 as captain to call for... Uh, county boards to stump up the cash for, for players to go on a holiday for, for winning teams of the All-Ireland and that's common practice now you know yeah. like the Towson Cup team getting 60 grand last week towards their holiday fund uh, it, it's interesting to hear that in 1993 he w- he was a bit of a pariah in the view of his own county board for, for stepping out of line on that front and so, did things
1: I'd- change then?
0: I'm not quite sure. Actually, I'm not sure when it was when it changed, but but certainly uh, within the, the following ten years, things were very different. But it just kind of like it, it's always interesting that we can sometimes get very we can tar a, a traditionalist with the, the one brush very quickly and, and suggest you know that such and such a person wouldn't be into new ideas or they'd be very against professionalism or, or moving towards modernity. And uh, he definitely wasn't one of those people. He's he's a he's a complicated man. His, his brother Willie obviously captained Kilkenny to All Ireland glory as well. Uh, seven years later. Um, I actually did miss the Lake Regale when it, when it happened. I'd love to watch it back because I was reading up on them and, and, and I'd love to see the two of them together. Willie uh, was uh, unfortunately abroad this week so we couldn't chat to them together but uh, Eddie more than made up for it by, by coming to meet me for a chat.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's a fascinating story and great to hear from him. Right, it's, it's All-Ireland Hurling Final Week as we know and we've got four priceless tickets to give away on the show this week. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. 2022 marks the sixth year of Borgosh Energy's Championship Sponsorship of the All Ireland Hurling Senior Championship to celebrate every day this week, we're giving away €150 Euro one for all vouchers. And more importantly, each winner will go into Friday's draw for an incredible grand prize of €1,500 one for all voucher and four tickets to Sunday's All Ireland final between Limerick and Kilkenny. To enter, tune into tonight's show. It's all with thanks to Borgosh Energy. And you can search hashtag gift of the gab for more. But now it's time for the quick picks.
3: Some of these critics, these pundits. I absolutely adore them lads. I
6: have unbelievable time for them, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. They like to play the hard man when, when they're on it. It's
7: not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency, but they just dismiss you like, like you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion.
1: Yes, we have an All-Ireland hurling final special. Willow Callahan, how's it going?
2: Morning, folks, how are you going on?
1: Good now. And Owen. We're going to bring up the, the picks just now. I think you've had a, a last-minute change, Owen. Oh, not from, not from this graphic, but take it... Oh, <laughs> dramatic. Tell us, the, Owen, what happened? Uh,
0: I've just been swept away on a Kilkenny wave here. I've just been uh, the, the sort of... the era. Yera Yera is obviously something that speaks to me and uh, I understand where they're coming from. I understand the sages when they kind of pull up their hood and they say, sure, we don't have a chance this mm-hmm. Sunday. I understand what that means. I speak their language and I know that, that means that they have a hell of a chance this Sunday and they persuaded me with, with that logic. They've, they've kind of blown me away here with that and, and I think Kilkenny are going to dethrone Limerick. I've just had a just i I've just woken up this morning and, and had that realisation. Also, my picks over the last couple of weeks have been absolutely Appalling! I'm on an absolutely astonishingly bad run so I need to mix things up in some in some way.
1: Well, last week was absolutely shocking for me. I went all out thinking that Derry were going to do the business and yeah, we've we seen what happened. But Owen, so you've been in Limerick, you've been in Kilkenny so you're feeling something a little bit different in Kilkenny then?
0: Well, I I also think that there's a feeling in Limerick of nerves towards Kilkenny. Now, of course, that's just from the people you're meeting on the street. It's not from the team themselves. But I think a few people are still a little bit shook about what happened in 2019. Now, the reality may be that come Sunday twenty nineteen will be either A a non factor or B something that Limerick uses huge motivation in order to try and get revenge against Kilkenny. But there's definitely this sense that if some team is gonna beat this Limerick team, it's gonna be Brian Cody. And like I, I I just wonder, like do we sometimes underappreciate just how much Cody kind of how petty Cody is and I mean that in a in a positive way and and how much he will be looking at the fact that Limerick are going for three in a row. Three in a row is a bloody hard thing to do. Like, uh, two is is tough, but three is really, really difficult. And Cody... Knows that more than anybody else that maybe they don't get enough credit for actually doing their three in a row and you know he would have experienced it twice in the, the last decade as well where they got to and they couldn't get the three and just that 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 sense of Limerick stomping over the Kilkenny team in the 2000s or at least being compared to them I just I just think that Cody thinks about that sort of stuff and and is pretty wound up and this year really went after this Limerick team and I'd say he's been dying to get another crack off him since 2019 as well so I don't know I think I think there's enough to hang your hat on to make a reasonable case that Kilkenny can do it this weekend and I think that after the clear performance i think you'd be uh, i think you'd be it, it it would be strange to suggest that, that limerick are the dom our dominant team and are, and are going to local Kenny out of the water especially if you bring into proceedings the the fact that Keane Lynch could be missing
1: yeah 100% Um, I'm not confident with Limerick I have to say I went back and forth and when Colin rang me yesterday I said oh I'm not sure if I'm going to go with Limerick and then just in the the last second I did but uh, yeah it it was a tough call to make but I would not be surprised as you said um, Brian Cody coming up against Limerick three in a row as you said is a tough thing to do So I would not be surprised if Kilkenny get over the line. But I'm sticking by Limerick for the moment anyway. Will, tell us why you've gone with Limerick.
2: Yeah, well, look, three in a row has never been completed by Limerick team until now. They're kind of chasing their great team of the 1930s currently where potentially they could do four in five years, which is even more impressive than doing three in a row. Kilkenny, uh, last team did three in a row back in 2008 on the run where they almost went five in a row were beaten by Tipperary eventually in that uh, classic final. But look, I think you'd have to have some concerns from a Limerick perspective just due to the fact that they're without a two-time hurler a year, most likely this weekend in Keane Lynch. Everyone is trying to work out exactly when he picked up the knock and how long he could potentially be out for because there's a lot of talk and rumours about 10 days and that may have happened at training on Tuesday. So then it's very unlikely he's going to be back in time for the final. I think Nash has had a knock this week but is expected to play. Not ideal though. One of your best players in defence could potentially have a niggle going into the game. And I think Aaron Gallan was recovering over the last week or so as well. It's the quick turnaround of the two weeks that probably doesn't help. Limerick would have probably preferred if it was the old system... they had a little bit of extra time to even get more time into Peter Casey's legs where Keane Lynch would have had adequate recovery time after this knock to come back for the final but like Limerick have had to do all year they just have to kind of go with the flow and deal with the issues that they've had. I think the one advantage if you're Limerick about the Keane Lynch situation is that it's not been a case of Keane Lynch has been pulling the strings for them all season and has been in remarkable form and absolutely key to the way that they play and now he's picked up an injury on the eve of the All-Ireland final. The reality is that since the second round of Munster they've been without Keen Lynch with the exception of a few minutes off the bench in the semi-final when he didn't look 100% back to full fitness anyway so they've been able to get game time all year into Colin and he's been playing remarkably well and you've got a team who are just so good at being able to adapt positionally and personnel wise around games too and tactically Limerick are able to switch it up a bit and still players come in and the machine just keeps on rolling so if any team was to lose a two-time hurler of the year Limerick are probably best placed to be without Keane Lynch this weekend because we already had question marks if Keane Lynch was coming back into the team about where Kyle Hayes was potentially going to play was Graham Mulcahy going to have to drop out of the team Mm -hmm. if it means that they just have to go with the 15 that they did in the All-Ireland semi-final victory against Galway and rely on the fact that maybe Casey can come off the bench and that David Reedy can have another meaningful contribution I think John Kiley would have taken that start of the season as you know it's not exactly optimum to be without Keane Lynch clearly but Limerick have possibly been blessed by the fact that they've been able to try other players out in positions and to get game time into an eel during the season so I think from that point of view Limerick won't be overly concerned and that's one of the reasons that I'm tipping Limerick to win I think they will find solutions to the problems that are placed before them when it comes to throwing at half past three on Sunday and we're all talking about this Kilkenny ambush and I take the point that you know they hurled with remarkable intensity in the semi-final against Clare you have to offset that again how poorly Clare played though and also the way that Kilkenny came out firing with a blitzkrieg of an attack in the 2019 semi-final. I'm not sure really how much relevance 2019 holds though because of how much the teams have evolved since. I think Limerick are a far better team than they were in 2019. I think there's no way that Limerick get caught in the way that they did by Kilkenny. They know exactly what's coming for them this Sunday. So I think that element of surprise might well be gone but this Kilkenny team are obviously very good at spoiling it for opposition and that's going to be the strength that they look at it would be remarkable if they were to win this 12th of the Cody era having already lost two championship games this year but Kilkenny appeared to be at a better place now than they were at any other stage of the championship this season Hmm.
1: Yeah I think that's the the thing with Kilkenny they seem to be getting better game on game they're constantly improving Owen is it the Clare game that really swung it for you that you've seen Kilkenny in action or is it that you're in Kilkenny and, and they're all swaying you?
0: Yeah, no. There's somebody with a, a gun pointing at my head right now at the other side of this phone. Uh, the, like, w- w- will does make a, a good point there at the end that they just seem to have timed this run to the final perfectly? So yeah, of course, the, the Clare semi-final is the, the key point and all of that. Like, it'd be interesting. Like, I mean, if Clare had actually more accuracy that day, Kilkenny could have conceded quite an amount and I mean the, the situation with, with Limerick then is that you add their firepower onto proceedings and you could say that Kilkenny's defence as a uh, teak tough as it looked at times last time out that there is actually kind of a few holes, there are a few opportunities for teams to, to get on top of them but I don't know, I just think that these individual performances that we've seen from Kilkenny are kind of going in one direction. You've also got the hallmarks of a team that have done it in the past and it may just be you know the, the image of Richie Hogan who'll probably come off the bench at some point uh, maybe we'll come off the bench at some point, which is the sort of thing that you're you're hanging your hat on with regards to this being the old Kenny. And Will is right; there, like 2019 is a long time ago. But you could maybe ask, why did the 2019 performance happen? And maybe it's down to the intensity of a Brian Cody team. It's. Kilkenny and Croke Park and this year they look very good in Croke Park those couple of things will still be the case this weekend and a team just unbelievably high on confidence after what they did to Clare so I'm, not, I'm by no stretch making the uh, ex- extension here that because Clare drew with Limerick and Kilkenny hockeyed Clare that Kilkenny will beat Limerick that's not my logic whatsoever it's, it's different to that it's, it's just about the I'm almost just getting swept away in the mystique around Kilkenny and I just have, I have a hunch that they're, that they're going to do the job this weekend
1: Yeah, and I feel that Clare didn't turn up whatsoever against Kilkenny. It was almost a, a, a different team altogether. I heard Tony Kelly speaking about it during the week as well. So I definitely don't think we could go off that. But you just can't ever write Kilkenny off. And we spoke with Brian Cody there, 24 years now, Will. Would this be the biggest achievement of his if he could go the whole way?
2: Yeah. I really felt if they'd won in 2019 it would have been his best All-Ireland coming back after four years of not winning and transitioning a new team after some of the best players of all time had finished up after the 2015 victory now even going an extra three years onto that it would be even more impressive when you consider he's bought three or four players uh, into the team this year and the way that they've evolved, like I even think back to the league where Blanchfield was one of the best players that Kilkenny had in the league and yet he hasn't seen game time in Championship, we talk about Richie Hogan who's got no game time this year, What's Um, I wonder how much involvement Richie Hogan is going to have this weekend we'll obviously get the match to say 26 because Kilkenny tend to name their 15 and the subs at around 9 o'clock on a Friday ahead of a big game if Richie Hogan is involved this time does he get sprung from the bench because they kept him in reserve for the semi-final victory against Clare to do it you know with an ageing TJ Reid who's going he's going to be 35 later this year um, albeit he hurled remarkably well against Clare again maybe he's timing his performances because uh, TJ wasn't having the best of championships remember he got the hook back in Salt Hill when they were playing against Galway didn't play well that day had a few understated performances since and then you know very much came to the fore and scored 10 points the last day and everything that TJ hit seemed to go over his frees were almost perfect uh, in the semi-final against Clare Adrian Mullen put in his best performance of the year on. Col- Look looked back to good form. Mikey Butler did a remarkable job on Tony Kelly. Can Mikey Butler do exactly the same on Aaron Galland this coming Sunday? If he does, that gives Kilkenny a serious chance because you talk about the motivation of 2019. One of the things that motivated the players back in 2019, Paul Murphy has told us this on the Hurling Pod this week, was that Limerick were talking a lot of smack going into that semi-final in 2019. And it was something that Kilkenny had actually talked about afterwards. And even uh, the aforementioned TJ Reid had been particularly inspired by, I think it was... in by Seamus Flanagan who was talking about the fact that Limerick were talking about outworking every single team in the country and then that was huge motivation for Kilkenny a Kilkenny team who you know had such an inspirational record in the previous 10 years before that it was like right these new boys are trying to come and take our crown and they went out and hurled just remarkable hunger and intensity that day in 2019 it will take a similar type of performance but <laughs> Kilkenny cannot afford like Claire, who were understrength and underperformed the last day still had 26 scoring chances which they left behind them given how good Limerick are at shooting from distance and at you know chance creation during games they cannot afford to be that loose defensively even if Mikey Butler does a really good job on Aaron Galan if they cough up that many chances for Limerick Limerick will definitely win this final so Kilkenny have got tightening up to do on their semi-final as well although I have to say and I've said a few times done quick picks on OTBM this year I wasn't so sure about the way that Kilkenny were distributing the ball um, from an attacking point of view earlier in the season they seem to have got that right now there is more of a mix they're willing to run the ball through the lines they got better ball into their forward line in both the Leinster final and in the All-Ireland semi-final so that's trending in the right direction if you're Kilkenny albeit you have to come up against a Limerick defence who've got six all-stars across their six starting backs and their goalkeeper Nicky Quaid as well so it's going to be a very difficult nut for them to crack at the weekend albeit they have probably the hurler of his generation in TJ Reid to help them do so
1: Yes, that is for sure. And I think the underdogs tag as well is an aspect that Kilkenny will just relish, as I said earlier in the show. So I'd be be scared to see them um, at the weekend now coming in with that underdog tag. But we're going to have a look at the leaderboard before we go. Oh, oh, one (laughs) percent. That was because of last weekend. I had a shocking weekend Um, last week. I called it all wrong and Tommy got, I think, every single one right, didn't he?
2: he was the only one to go to golf for Galway I think yeah the rest of us were pretty much Derry across the board as I recall
1: ok wow and how many games do we have left is it just the, the last two games oh god Need to catch this him. This the football final, yeah.
2: This is where we should have introduced the points difference at this stage. I if, think uh, if Adrian Barry was around and not on his holliers at the moment, he would definitely be making a case that we should have had a margin for victory in points based on that to try and uh, keep this close going into the last weekend. Because we've all gone, obviously for, well, except for Owen, have gone for Limerick this weekend. So in all likelihood, this is pretty much done and dusted. Uh, it's all going to come down on the football final, isn't it?
1: It is, yes, so we'll have to see where we're all going to go. You never know, Owen, you could jump right up now that you're, you've been the only one to go for Kilkenny.
2: As long as Kilkenny and
0: Galway win these next two weeks, I'll be happy.
1: There you go. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> well, that was the GA Quick picks. Thanks a lot, lads. Cheers, lads. I absolutely adore
6: them, lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable.
1: Yes, OTB AM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And here's what we've got on OTB Sports Radio today: at 1 p.m. we've OTB Gold, the life and times of Johnny Caban. 3 p.m. we have live Friday night racing. 4 p.m. the Koi Gig Euro Special. 6 p.m. OTB Gold. Joe meets Jurlock Nan. You can follow off the ball across all our social channels. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube channel, and be sure to download the OTB Sports for the latest in the best sports content and analysis. We'll see you after this break.
2: OTB AM With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating
8: Bar.
1: Yes, you're very welcome back. Owen, we're going to go back to some of the content that you've been getting over the last two days. How have you enjoyed the last two days? I know you do it each and every year, so it must be a part of the year you look forward to.
0: It's great. It's great to see kind of all the the, the excitement around uh, the different places and like getting a little bit of variation this year as well. That it's not uh, Limerick and Cork like last year. Obviously, Limerick trying to kind of dig a little bit deeper this year when the excitement seems to be at a fairly similar level um, is a little bit challenging. But Kilkenny, it was it was good to see how Kilkenny people build up to an All-Ireland because they're well used to it and uh, even though it's been a little while since they've been in an All-Ireland final it definitely feels that they're still kind of the aristocrats and that you know there's still more hype and still more novelty about the whole thing in limerick i think i think that's fair to say no in fairness we did literally bring like kilkenny elvis to you earlier on in this entire place is <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> the most uh, intense looking place that's that a ga fan ever has so there are exceptions to that rule but by and large it's uh it, it is uh, more chilled out in kilkenny i would say now what what was interesting like we'll go back to limerick again a little bit later on but uh, just to conclude on kilkenny i met the, the great uh bally Callen, um chairman yesterday Dave O'Neill is his name we had a chat so obviously he is the chairman of uh, Hurling Club in Kilkenny but uh, he comes from Limerick so uh, he's in a pretty interesting position this weekend here's how our conversation went
8: Greg Bellicallan I suppose is where I'm domiciled at the moment Dave O'Neill here Uh, I'm chairman uh, it's an honour to be chairman of the Greg Bellicallan GA Club and I suppose I'm originally from a lovely little place in County Limerick called Kilteley Drumkeen Right. So this has been a pretty interesting week for you. I'd imagine it has. It has. I mean, I suppose over the last few years, from 2014, really, I suppose, with minors, uh, 21s, uh, we had Billy Ryan playing in the minor final in 14. Eddie Brennan was managing the under 21 team in uh, 17, and I suppose you know from there, 19, and now. So, yeah, it's 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 been it's good fun. It's good. It's it's banter. It's good, crack
0: When did you leave Limerick for Kilkenny?
8: I was ran out of it in uh, 1986. I'm I'm gone almost 36 years now, and they've never asked me back. So. Okay. and now I'm in I've been Ballyhallen are in Great Belly since I'm in Great Belly now 30 years right. and they're trying to get rid of me most of those 30 years so I'm yes. not really wanted anywhere <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: This week obviously uh, I presume as a chairman of a club you've got uh, a big responsibility to make sure that the Kilkenny people get the tickets and make sure that they're well supported, I mean, surely you're going to sort out some of your uh, Limerick brethren uh, No, I, I, on this occasion
8: uh, I've had to do in the past I suppose uh, I have a lot of context but I suppose in 18 and uh, for the last few years, but uh, no, this year it's Kilkenny only. Um, but no, it's wonderful. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to believe. I suppose I think is it 17 times in Brian Cody's era? Of, what's it, 23, 22 or three years? Or 24 years now? It's uh, Kilkenny are in the final, and it's, it's still it's the same buzz. I mean, you could it was palpable on the Sunday after the semi final with a game in the club, and all the stewards were there, and we were all talking, and it's it, you just can sense the excitement and it doesn't matter what age people are it's an all-island final it's a very special time and it never grows old who do you cheer for i suppose i'm you know i'm a Limerick man i will i was born and bred and i will die a limbic man but i'm heavily invested in uh, in kilkenny ga as well so uh, I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's just, it's an unusual experience. Yeah. Um, but GA is, you know, I was, it, you know, my, my love of the GA was fostered in Kilteely Drumkeen and it's only been enhanced since I moved. I, I consider myself very fortunate to live in Great Valley Callen. So uh, it's an occasion where I'll, stay quiet on Sunday I'm, but I'm looking forward to it I yeah. just I I think of all the islands you know in a world gone mad at the moment um, I think this could be a very special island and um, there'll be a lot of history um, I saw the weather forecast last night and Kilkenny people still talk about the thunder and lightning All island from 1939 maybe this one will be the the uh, the, yeah. su- the sunburn island yeah because uh, but there's more than that there's I suppose Limerick have an opportunity to do what's only been done five times in the last 100 years, and that's to win three in a row. And I suppose the, other, the, other, the common denominator number is three because uh, if Kilkenny do it, uh, they'll be winning number 37. So it, this, I think this one will be memorable. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that this will be a memorable All-Island. Something, something told me last Christmas when I realized I was going to miss out that uh, it would be a Kilkenny Limerick final and i told all my kilkenny friends and now i'm reminding them of that and i don't think any of them said no we won't make it we won't get that but that's kilkenny yeah kilkenny's expectations the start of the year is let's see what happens you know there's never claims and if you're having a drink over christmas no one stands up in the pub or stands up in the home or wherever you are and says you know what we'll win the all Ireland next year they they keep it very very low key. Um, so, you know, I <clears throat> I'm reminding them, by the way, for the last week that most of them should be ashamed attending Crow Park because they were saying Kilkenny wouldn't get to the final. My own personal opinion uh, is I think the stars are aligned for a Kilkenny victory. Right. Uh, genuinely, I do. You um, kept on as chairman for another year? Well, God no, they're trying to get rid of me every year. Um, I probably won't be invited to any family functions in, in Limerick going forward.
1: That was a good way to end it. The Dave O'Neill, chairman of Grey Valley Callan, you managed to find a Limerick man that lives in Kilkenny, chairman of a club there. That must be tough for him at the minute.
0: Yeah, maybe that's why I'm calling Kilkenny's because he just said it and he seemed pretty convincing and he said Kilkenny you are going to win it. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, that guy seems to know what he's talking about. Let's go with that.
1: <laughs> well, you met a lot of characters along the way and you also met a member of the Cranberries.
0: Yeah so yesterday before we headed off from Limerick just had a quick chat uh, with Noel Hogan who was uh, a founding member obviously of the Cranberries who have obviously become synonymous with this Limerick team certainly in the 2018 season and they haven't been disconnected since so uh, if Limerick win at the weekend there's only going to be one band you're going to hear playing through the speakers at Croke Park and uh, a member of that band is uh, Noel Hogan who I caught up with yesterday. Okay, we are back in Limerick City Centre. Delighted to say Noel Hogan has got up out of bed earlier, one of the, the amr Warriors as well to, to meet me. Uh, Noel, this is a, an interesting week for you where you may not have a whole pile of interest
9: in hurling in general, but you could get quite rich this weekend if things go your way. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think that um, that song is bringing some good luck to Limerick as, uh ever since they started using it as their kind of anthem, um, they've done quite well from it. So, yeah, it's amazing. It's great. 2018, I'd say, was an
0: interesting year from your perspective because, as I say, maybe you wouldn't have paid a whole pile of attention to to hurling, but you could not have ignored what was happening in terms of the connection between your song and that Limerick hurling team when they blew up.
9: Yeah, um i remember the day very well because i i was actually going on holidays the same day and when i landed um my phone i turned back on my phone suddenly it was like ping 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 and it was like uh friends of mine who were at the match or friends who were watching it on tv were all sending me these videos and it was the first time kind of we were aware of you know oh my god they're using the song so much and uh even the following few weeks and really ever since the you know, Dreams has become kind of synonymous with the the Limerick hurling team. So yeah, it was very interesting. Considering the four of us within the band are, were never really the most sporty people in the world. Mm.
0: How does that make you feel when that starts to happen then in twenty eighteen and those messages start to roll in?
9: Um, look, you know what, it's it kinda it does fill you with a bit of pride that people from your hometown like like the Limerick team did so well and then we're from here as well so it's nice that there's a connection there Um, so yeah it is, it's it's really cool That pride of place is an interesting
0: one it doesn't necessarily have to be connected to sport but as people from Limerick how proud does it make you feel that there is positive things happening uh, on a historic level that this sports team actually could
9: go down as one of the greatest of all time Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Anything positive for any city is, is, you know, it's a good thing. And I guess the fact that... We all grew up here. Uh, we've always stayed here. You know, I know we've come and gone because of work and things like that, but we've based ourselves here. Um, and for all its faults, there's so many great things here as well, and it's great that you know, that those things are being kind of pointed out more as well. And uh, especially now we all have kids and they're growing up here as well. It's nice to see this kind of positive side of it.
0: That's interesting, like the, the idea that you, you spent your whole life here, essentially, when, when you think about where you've lived. How has this place changed? So, what's the biggest thing that's changed over the last couple of decades?
9: Um, I mean, God, it's a different city to what I grew, I grew up like predominantly in the 80s. I would have been here a lot in the, in Limerick, and uh, it was grim enough to be honest. It's a great place to grow up, but it was a kind of a dull enough place at that time. Um, whereas now even standing here today you see all this work going on around us and it's constantly improving and and working on itself um, which is you know it's great and and that's one of the reasons we never moved from here because you could see that bit by bit there were improvements happening you had a sense of hope then uh, when, when maybe it wasn't easy to Yeah, yeah, I mean it's funny because we never even really considered you know with all the success it was kind of oh let's move to LA or New York or you know this yeah. kind of thing it was always like the minute when are we finish this tour okay let's just go home we were like on a plane and landing in Shannon and we never, nobody ever really kind of gave it a second thought so I, you know subconsciously it was always, always in there, this was home
0: Right, that's interesting. And the, the, was there the temptation ever real at all to, to move to, to, to an L.A. or, or to a London or something like that? It, w- was it genuinely just because home had such a pull for, for all of you?
9: Yeah, I think so. Like We, we were very lucky. Our, our families are here, obviously, you know, and um, then you have... But we still all hang around with the friends we grew up with, you know. So I always felt if I moved somewhere else, I'm not going to know anybody. I'm not going to, you know, these are, it's a different world for me. And um, yeah, that's why I guess we considered our time, our time off was really being at home. You know, a lot of people got my time off and gone on holidays, whereas we spent so much time traveling that to come back was the break from it and to be able to just go out and, and people here, you know, never really cared what it was with all the success it was like yeah that's just what you do and that's that thing so you were kind of left alone here What's your favourite thing about Limerick? Um, I guess it's friends and family you know that are here and uh, it's kind of that's the weird thing I guess the last few years with Covid that we you know you were kind of very much isolated from all those kind of from that World, um, and it's nice to be kind of able to go back out again, or ring someone and go, "Where we meet for a drink?" And uh, so it's great. I mean, there is Limerick's weird in that it's a city, but it's small enough that it's like a community. Like you, you walk down the street and you see, they kind of know everybody, kind of thing. They know you, and it's really nice that way.
0: Is that really kind of the, the nub of the whole thing then that when y- your stars were rising, that actually there was always a, a humility here, it was always a, a, a sense of home that would not keep you grounded, but that would just kind of bring you the sense of normality when maybe your careers were, were
9: anything but normal? Yeah, I guess, again, it's I think it's something that you don't overthink. Sure. It just it's kind of, you know, for the first few years we all lived at home with our parents still and, you know, you'd, we'd be off living the kind of high life and then you come home and you'd still, what time do you call this, coming in, you know, it was like, it, it was the normal kind of side of life was still there very much and and especially, you know, like a real Irish thing with your friends if you started coming home, you know, with leather pants and then capes and you kind of thing, you'd be soon put in your place, so um it was great like that, that it just kind of, I think it kept us all very grounded through all of it and you'd like to think we turn out pretty normal because of it at the end of it all Do you
0: think that there's also been um, not a renaissance in music but maybe kind of a, an extra a spike in people who've come to have a relationship with your music in, in the aftermath
9: of Dolores's passing as, as well as the success of the Limerick Hurling team over the last few years Yeah definitely um, I mean we're so lucky like Dreams is a perfect example it's one of the first songs we ever wrote um, and you're looking at you're really looking at just over 30 years ago. And normally you'd think that has a lifespan of, you know, maybe 10 years and then a decade moves on and things, people move on another generation. But I found that ever since The passed away and stuff like the, you know, the Limerick Hurling team winning then, that the music, I'm probably hearing it more now on radio than I did in the kind of 20 years before that. Um, and... For us, it's amazing. You know, we we can't understand it because you do this stuff and you move on and you move on to the next album, the next song and you kind of almost forget about it in some ways. It's always there, but um, it's... (laughs) It's there, but it just... um, Like, my... my I've got two kids in their 20s and they're out and they've sent me videos. They could be anywhere in the world and they're in a club or somewhere and and like Zombie or Dreams are being played and you're kind of going, that's so weird for us because we thought, you know, there's so much, like music changes, it goes in cycles and you think they've moved on to the next thing. So I don't know why or how it's managed to live. You'd like to think it's because they're good songs. Um, But it's, you know, it's great that there is that legacy there, I think as well. It's something that always We'd be delighted with. Yeah. It's
0: kind of like Kate Bush and her renaissance this yeah. <laughs> summer as well. Yeah. Like, uh,
9: So, do you remember the writing of that song? I do. It was one of. Uh, it was around the same time as linger. They were in the first kind of batch of songs of ideas, and um, it would have been on one of the earlier early demos that we ever did. And uh, I actually found that demo a couple of years ago. Uh, I think the only one left, and it's more or less the same song, badly recorded, but uh, it it just we had this we we just wrote and wrote and wrote in the beginning and we had all this bunch of songs and Linger and Dreams really stood out they just had something that the others didn't at the time um And we were kind of proven right. You know, you get that feeling that this one's better than all the rest. And, uh, yeah, I can still remember, you know, just kind of being in my bedroom at home, kind of going, oh, yeah, that's nice, that's something. And then you develop it. And then Dolores put her vocal on it and it turns into something else again. Um... And then it gets to the point like, particularly with Dreams, I found I used to almost, you do it at a gig and you'd be on autopilot because we had it so long and you kind of, you know, it's just another song. But it has taken on, I think even lyrically, listening to it now and I think she was only 18 when she wrote those lyrics and you think how can an 18 year old do that you don't realise it at the time because you think you know everything at that age Um, and it's only I guess even for me I have a, a new appreciation for it now that I didn't have for a very long time like,
0: and an appreciation for the fact that an 18-year-old did write those words as well, so like, wh- how much does that speak to to, to the character that, that she was uh, especially so young and yeah. to, to be able to do that so young?
9: Yeah, I mean it shows, doesn't it, really kind of um, a kind of a depth and an intelligence there that you don't you just take for granted it's like all of us with all of our friends you just kind of hey there's doris or there's john or there's mickey you know kind of thing it's kind of you just it's when these people are gone i think you kind of appreciate them more um you kind of just start to remember all the stuff that you kind of you know we we all take for granted so um yeah i mean it's it's pretty amazing when i think of it now but like i said i mean we couldn't be told anything at the time we knew (laughs) in our minds we knew everything (laughs) It's that very Irish thing of possibly not, not saying positive things to <laughs> one's face and yeah, then yeah. being glowing in, uh, after their departure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, um, if anything... But it, it, look, you know what? It's the nice thing, I guess, about the Irish thing is that, you know, you kind of say things, you say pretty harsh things to each other, yeah. but in a joking way. But there is a love in there as well under that and we all know... I mean, I remember um, one of the first trips to America we did and, you know, the Americans would be with us in whatever capacity and... We'd all be slagging each other so much. And one girl had said to us one night, like, why do you all stay together? You hate each other so much. <laughs> it's just like, that's just the way we speak to each yeah. other. Yeah.
0: yeah, people would be shocked if uh, they came to Ireland yeah, and actually yeah. saw what was going on. So, so th- this Sunday then, uh, if Limerick win, what will happen to your Spotify streams and, uh, and all your other uh, music uh, side streams? Will there be a genuine spike?
9: Yeah, um, I looked... The first t- two years i just went on to itunes just to see did it make a difference and there it is dreams i think it runs into the top 10 for like 24 hours and then kind of drops back out again but it's amazing how it just comes back to life every year and i get a, i get it like speaking of you know being abused by your friends i get a lot of slagging over it kind of, well your payday is coming this year again now <laughs> so so um yeah it, it's it's amazing and then i guess The fact that it spans so many age groups from young young kids to people my own age people older um i mean you kind of have to pinch yourself sometimes to think that you're part of that that that's something you did it's
0: pretty amazing legacy noel uh good luck on sunday hopefully you do get that spike with modern streaming services what's that two pints maybe or something like that (laughs) i'll
9: be at at home myself just kind of (laughs) re-listening to it over and over yeah
0: (laughs) noel hogan thanks very much appreciate your time cheers thanks
1: Yes, the legendary Noel Hogan from the Cranberries. A brilliant interview to get. How did you manage that one, Owen?
0: Uh, I just messaged him on Instagram, and he he was around. Fairly um, straightforward. <laughs> fairly straightforward, yeah. He, uh, he he just met up for uh, before we went on O'TBAM yesterday morning, actually bright and early on O'Connell Street in Limerick. So yeah, it's, it is interesting. Uh, like I'm always fascinated by by those people who are kind of like affected by sport, even though they've got very little interest in sport, and how the cranberries have. So certainly, from my memory, like I'm, I, I know it's still very strong, but certainly the the summer of 2018, it very much felt that, like that connection was kind of like forever made. And I know like it wasn't long after Dolores Reardon's passing. So maybe that was one of the reasons for it. It just felt very emotional and it felt very connected. to Cranberries and and Limerick, GEA and uh, most of the band really uh, have no no interest in hurling. But uh, I guess they're interested now when uh, Limerick potentially win on Sunday and their spike, there's a potential spike in their figures coming.
1: Yeah. And their payday comes in, as Noel said.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) the, The good old Spotify payday. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And you were speaking as well to Steve Gleeson.
0: Sorry, yeah. So Steve Gleeson is the co-owner of a sports shop in Limerick called Gleeson uh, Sports Scene and uh, it's just uh, one of those independent run sports shops that I think every town has. It's been run from generation to generation. It's been there for for uh, decades in Limerick city centre. So we got chatting about the game this weekend and also about uh, the hurling boom that the city has experienced over the last 5 years.
7: Well, my f- Father founded it in about 1975. I was a um, uh, young fellow still going to school at the time. Um, his background was he had a newsagent shop here in Limerick, but he also refereed the 1957 All Ireland final between Kilkenny and Waterford. So we've, uh, th- we weren't around then, but he's uh, was many times about and how big uh, a game it was and what a big. Uh, part of his life it was and the uh, funny thing about that game was there was actually a film made during it, a film called Rooney, so there was actually 16 men walked out instead of 15 with the Watford team, I think, I stand to be
0: corrected on that, so there was a pub trivia for you. Right, so your father is in the movie Rooney? He's in the movie Rooney, yeah. Oh, go. very good. Uh, what's interesting is that over the, the last few decades in, in the city we've seen so many great teams come up through the ranks not just in hurling but in other great sports obviously you've got uh, great soccer teams and you've got the great uh, rugby team in in Munster Rugby how have you seen the, the sporting landscape change to reflect that in the shop down through the years? Well, I suppose the good thing with Limerick, and um, every person
7: in Limerick will tell you this, that um, people transcend sports, so the guys that support hurling, a lot of them support soccer, support rugby, and vice versa. You'll see rugby and soccer people in Croke Park as as well as hurling people. But uh, yeah, the, the, the hurling, since the success of the senior team in 2018. Hurley sales have gone through the roof, Slitter sales have gone through the roof which shows on the ground how popular it has made it and yes it has hit the other sports definitely. You know, hurling in Limerick is definitely on the cusp of a wave here and there's again thousands of young people playing us, which is
0: great. In terms of sports equipment is a Hurley your number one sale here or or is it still, does it still have a bit of work to do to knock off some other sports? No the hurling will be our number one. So after 2018, you just noticed an uptick in, in sales for, for the sport? Yes. Look, listen, hurling would always be big in Limerick, yeah. but it just went massive.
7: Um, I, I guess any kids that were coming up that were on a 50-50 between rugby and hurling went with hurling, and likewise, 50-50 with soccer and hurling went hurling. So it was you know, it really, really success, really helped uh, the popularity. As I said, it was always popular, but it really
0: projected it. What do you think it was about that team other than being really successful that inspired a whole bunch of new people to take up the sport? Well, the thing about hurling and I suppose
7: but the the and crop of players is they're all they're the guys next door. You know, if you meet them on the street, you can you meet them in the coffee shop, you know, they will talk to everyone. You know, they're they're all very nice guys, they're down-to-earth guys, they're, you know, they're playing at a professional level even though they're not professionals. But, you know, they're all amateurs, so they're day-to-day. You meet them walking around town. You know, that's the great thing about them.
0: Have uh, short sales been under pressure this week?
7: Uh, what, they've been under pressure as far as they're we're, we're flying them, we're selling a load of
0: them, but uh, we're not under pressure because we're well stocked for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one thing I'm keen to, to ask you about is at, at the moment in uh, Gaelic games, it's kind of moving towards soccer. there's a, a new jersey every year, every every second year. Uh, how do you find that yourself having to, to go through the, the new equipment every year? And I suppose the, these jerseys here may not be the Limerick jersey next year. Um, just even going away from the Limerick, from the jersey, the uh, from the, the leisure end of it.
7: The, the leisure tends to change every six months or anything. Else. But the, the, it's it's such nice gear now, it's gone kind of fashionable to be wearing it. So people don't mind changing and they want the latest that's out. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing, as I said, it's fashionable. So people are wearing them into the pubs,
0: they're wearing them to work, even you're wearing them around the streets, which is great. What's your favourite era of uh, Limerick jersey or Limerick fashion? If I had to put you on the spot.
7: Put me on the spot, I suppose, the currently, it, it, every year it's evolving, it's getting nicer and nicer. And um, O'Neill's, who are, who, who are the supplier, they're, they've improved their designs down through the years. So I think every, every year we're nicely surprised with the way it's coming out. This year's stuff is, is beautiful, I think it's really, really nice. Good stuff. Will they win on Sunday? Of course. Yeah.
1: Yes, he's very confident. Steve Gleeson, co-owner of Gleeson Sports Scene in Limerick, where the Hurley sales are booming. Owen, was there a buzz in the shop when you were there?
0: Ah, uh, there was yeah. The, the front of the shop is all GEA. It seems to really kind of stock well on on all different sports. But it uh, just struck me what a what a stupid question to ask somebody who's trying to sell current Limerick jerseys what his favourite <laughs> Limerick jersey is, if he's going to say anything other than the current Limerick jersey, which to be fair is quite nice. I yeah, think some jerseys uh, have been overcomplicated over uh, the past couple of seasons, but that uh, Limerick's still simple, still nice. And yeah, I'd say they were flying through him. I'd say uh, he maybe took a, a gamble on a on a big order to get him in early in the year because I'd say. The sales boom late in the season, and you just wouldn't get an order in on time for an All Ireland final given the compressed season if you were to react with a semi final win. So, I'd say it took a bit of a gamble. I'd say a lot of sports shops took a bit of a gamble on their jerseys this year, but it seems to have paid off quite a bit for them.
1: And it's nice to see these smaller shops. I think, as you said at the start, that a lot of counties or a lot of towns have these little sports shops that are iconic in these places
0: yeah they still seem to be going like i I think that like i mean that that kind of uh, is a question around a lot of different businesses at the moment whether it's the 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 coffee you drink or the sports shops you attend you know trying to support local businesses but the the local sports shop is definitely uh going strong certainly from from my perspective i I know that there are a number of different chains obviously who who are are trying to invade the market as well and have done so successfully but the local sports shop on all ireland final week i'd say they're still doing Great business at their county is there.
1: Yeah, I was driving through Limerick yesterday. I was on the way down to Kerry for the for the press day. Those interviews are going to be coming up in the in the next few days. But uh, there was um, little tables and stalls out alongside on on the road. So on the way to to Kerry, so obviously in Limerick, all these um, young kids out selling their. There was some jerseys. There was bunting. There was headbands. All of that type of thing. But I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, just on the side of the road, just these stalls set up. And how
0: did? How did Limerick compare to Kerry yesterday? Has Kerry? I haven't been down there in a couple of days. Has, <laughs> has it got into all Ireland mood yet?
1: Uh, it absolutely has. Yes. Yeah. The okay. the flags are are flying high. You're you're missing Good. it after a few days on.
0: The, the seat that you're in, you're in Adrian Barry's seat right now. And before the semifinal last year, he literally drove past my house and took a video and uh, drove to my local village and uh, said there's no flags up whatsoever. Uh, no. Which is a, a, hell, a hell of a length to go to. to, to I guess it's just be a, a full-blown uh, weirdo. So uh, that, I'm glad to hear that it's not actually that case this year.
1: No, I definitely could feel that, that they're absolutely gunning for this, All-Ireland. Like they, they have to win this. This feels like you know now or never type of thing you know and I asked the question a few times to Jack and I was speaking to Type Morley and Shane Ryan as well do you feel that pressure is there anticipation that you know you have to win you have to win Kerry does not settle for anything else but all Ireland wins
0: if they don't win it'll be you telling them that they have to win which will be the reason why (laughs) they don't win so we uh, finally we have our scapegoat if they bottle it next Sunday
1: are you already on edge you can feel the nerves
0: no, definitely not nervous whatsoever. It's only just a, an entirely existential crisis that arrives if they don't manage to win this whole
1: <laughs> We will see. We're going to chat a hell of a lot more about that next week. Well, brilliant stuff, Owen. Thanks for all of that. Chat to you soon and you can check out all our own stuff on our YouTube channel. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. OTBAM is back Monday morning with live reaction to the All Ireland hurling final, Ireland's deciding test with New Zealand, the open and much more.
2: OTB AM
0: with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar.